Because God literally tells me to go up to the pulpit, open your mouth, and speak. <laughs> because I know that what he is going to say is a timely word for you. So this morning, this is a timely word for us today. Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. As we were worshiping the Lord today, all I kept thinking about was faithfulness, faithfulness. And we sang it, we sang it about great is thy faithfulness, we sang of the goodness of God and how faithful he's been, that he is faithful, that his love, his steadfast love is new every morning, his faithfulness will never end. And this was just placed on my heart as I was walking up to the pulpit. Exodus chapter 3. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and the, led, his flock, led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of the fire within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I would go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw him, saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Who called to Moses within the bush? What does the Bible say? Verse 4, who called to Moses within the bush? God. But did you notice how verse 2 is stated? There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of the fire within the bush. The angel of the Lord is the one that came down in the bush. And now the Bible tells us that God is speaking from the bush. Who is the angel of the Lord? His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has always been the image of God according to the New Testament in Colossians. That the Son of God has always been the visible image of God. And so I believe Jesus Christ is in the bush. Just like Jesus Christ was, was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Just like Jesus Christ was with Hera, Hagar in the desert and with, and with Abraham as he's about ready to sacrifice, the angel of the Lord appears again on earth. It is God's presence that is coming down and it is Jesus being with his people. Jesus is coming down in this bush. Now, the Old Testament, they didn't know this. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. They didn't understand this. But they did know this, that there was God in heaven the invisible God, and then there was the visible God here on earth. And when Abraham was talking to the three men that appeared to him in Genesis, three men appeared to him in chapter 18, and they began to speak to him, and he offers them food, and they talk to him. These three men are deciding to leave, and he's walking with them, seeing them off. And one of the men tells Abraham, we shouldn't keep what we're going to do from Abraham. We should let him know what's going to go happen. And so the Bible says that Abraham was there before the Lord, this angel that was there, this angel that was there. And how do we know it's an angel? Because in the next chapter, two men leave, according to chapter 18, two men leave, and then chapter 19, the Bible starts off right away by saying two angels went to Sodom, and they were going to bring about God's judgment. So the angel of the Lord, Abraham, is standing before Jesus. Moses is standing before Jesus. God is speaking. His presence is once again here on earth. His presence, he's with his people once again. And so this is the angel of the Lord. <clears throat> so when the Lord saw, verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. 
Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Moses, when God revealed himself that he was the, the God of their father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it is then that Moses became afraid because he knew who he was talking to. He was talking to the God that his mother told him about. You see, when Moses was young, he was put into the river in this little ark. Isn't it funny how that word ark is translated as basket? But see, there was before, after the flood came another ark, but it was a real small one. And it had a basket, and it had a baby in it named Moses, and it pushed him down the sea, trusting the river, trusting that God would be over this child. And this child lands up in Pharaoh's daughter's place, and, and Pharaoh's daughter finds it, draws him from the water, which was where we get the name Moses, draws him from the river. And then this little Hebrew girl who happened to be following along, it's his sister. She's looking to see where this, this ark lands. And the basket lands at Pharaoh's daughter. And then this Hebrew girl comes up and says, you know what? This is a Hebrew boy. Maybe we should have a Hebrew mother raise him. And the Pharaoh's daughter says, that's a great idea. And so she goes and she goes and gets his mother. Now the process of raising a child was done by the mother. And the process wasn't a quick process. It's not like she raised him for six months and then gave him up. It was a long process. Some estimate between 8 to 12 years it took for Moses to finally be raised, to be presented to the Pharaoh's daughter. And there's a lot of different reasonings for this. A lot of times children didn't last they didn't live long back then just because of their environment, their health conditions. Uh, they wanted to make sure that the, the young person was of an age where they were fully matured so that they didn't have to worry about defects and stuff like that. There's a lot of reasons why it goes in. But here's the fact. Moses knew who God was. Moses knew who God was in a place that worshipped all different types of gods. Moses knew about Ra. Moses knew about Horus. Moses knew about all those other gods that are there in Egypt. He was raised in the, the wisest of the, the, the universities that you can imagine. He had nothing withheld from him. He knew everything about the culture of Egypt. And yet when God speaks to him, he's not afraid until he finds out who that God is. God says, I'm the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And immediately... When truth is spoken to you, you know it. God is God of truth, and God spoke to Moses and said, I'm God, and I'm speaking to you. And the Bible says that at that moment, he was afraid because he knew this was God. Not some idol, not some mythical God that he knew about in Egypt, but he knew this was the true God. The God who what? Created the heavens and the earth. The God who made mankind. Because, see, they didn't have copies of Genesis. They didn't have copies. They had to learn this by oral tradition. And they would pass it on and pass it on. They didn't even have a copy of my book, What If Genesis 1 Was Correct. They didn't have nothing. They just All they had was these stories. And they would tell their children, listen, when it all began, God created the heavens and the earth. And he made the land and the sea and the sun and the moon and the stars. And he made the animals and the trees and the plants. And he made us. He made people. 
The Bible says that when he made Adam and Eve, he made them in his image, that we are special. And this is what you would tell your children. You would tell them the story of Genesis. This is what God wants us to know, son, daughter. This is what God wants us to know. And Moses' mother must have spoken this to Moses because when he heard the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he knew exactly where that line came through because Abraham came from Noah and Noah came from Adam and Adam came from God. So Moses is afraid. Verse 5, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals and place them where you are standing in holy, where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face, and he was afraid to look at God. Verse 7, the Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because they're slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land, the good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 10, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this is the sign, that this will be a sign to you that, that I am the one who sent you. And when you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Which just literally translated is, I will be what I will be. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. We know the story. We know that Moses goes back. And we know that Pharaoh refuses to let the people go. And we know that God is not going to allow Pharaoh to win. And God is going to send plague after plague after plague. And finally, Pharaoh will have to lose his firstborn. Finally, Pharaoh will release the people. But God comes to Moses in one of the most beautiful scenes you could imagine. Here is this bush that is on fire. Here is this bush that is burning. And God himself, the angel of the Lord, comes within this bush and begins to speak to Moses. Who is Moses? Moses is a fugitive. Moses is someone who ended up killing an Egyptian uh, person and a and, uh, master, slave driver, and he runs for his life. And for 40 years, he is living life good as the, as the son of the daughter of Pharaoh. But then now for 40 years, he is in the wilderness. And the Bible starts off that Moses is not just in the wilderness. He's on the far side of the wilderness. He is in no man's land. He's in Fairmont, Minnesota. He's nowhere to be found on the map of the earth. And it's in this remote, desolate place that God appears. I want you to know this that I don't care how remote and how desolate and how impossible and how distant it seems for you in your moments right now, and you're thinking God is not around, God is nowhere to be found, it is in those moments where God will show up if you just keep on trusting, keep on believing, keep on hoping. So Moses is on the far side. He's away from everybody, and God appears to him in this bush. God speaks to him. Why does God appear in the remote places. How come he can't appear to us right now? How come he can't appear to us when I pray or when I seek him? How come he can't appear to us when I need him the most? I don't know. I don't know. 
I mean, you think it would be easy. You know, God would make it easy. You know, when we pray to God, God just opens up a, uh, a monitor and says, here you go. Here's all the answers you need. It would be simple. But I do know this, that he's worth seeking. Because when you find him, he's worth every moment. My son, we were talking, and he just said, thank you, Dad. Thank you for all the sacrifices you've done for us as a family. Thank you for the things that you've did that we would never understand. Thank you for putting yourself in a position that you did for us. And I started to reflect on what he said. And I started to think about all the times of suffering, needless suffering that our family's gone through, all the times of lack, all the times of embarrassment, all the hardships, all the times of waiting God to do the impossible. And you know the first thing that came out of my mouth? You were worth every moment because God was worth every moment. I wouldn't trade it for the world because, see, when you discover who he is and you find him in those remote, desolate places, you begin to understand how good he is and how awesome he is and how worthy he is. He's worth every moment. Moses is on the far side in the middle of nowhere. But this really isn't the point of the story. It's not about Moses. It's not about the miracles. It's not about what God is going to do and what he's going to display. You know what this story is about? This remote wilderness event that is so awesome. You know what it's about? It's about the people that have been in slavery for 400 years. That's what the story is about. It is about the people that have been crying out, where are you, God? Don't you see us? Can't you see we need you? You've promised us. You told Abraham that we were going to be a people. You told Abraham, you promised him, where are you, God? I thought you were with us when Joseph came and saved Egypt. I thought you were with us, and now they don't even know who we are. We are nothing but slaves to them. Where are you, God? You know where God was? He was on the far side of the wilderness in an event that they'd never seen. He was on the far side of the wilderness in a remote location where God was already starting their plan to free them, his plan to free them. That is the faithfulness of God. That is the faithfulness of God. That even though you will feel like you're caught in this moment of slavery, you feel like nothing's going to change, you feel like there's no hope, that, there, that you can't even feel God, you don't even know what's going on, you can't understand why you're going through this suffering that you are, I want to tell you that there is some remote location where your miracle is being birthed. There is some remote location beyond the place where you can see where God is moving on your behalf. Do not tell me God doesn't move when we pray. When we pray, he does. Don't tell me that God isn't going to work on our behalf. He is. I may not see it. I may not have a burning bush experience. Because my life isn't like Moses. I'm not have, I don't have these burning bushes experiences. My life is like the slave's that are crying out. And the Bible says, God said, I hear them. I hear them. So I encourage you today, church, keep crying out to him. Keep speaking to him. Keep asking him. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to make it happen. He's going to make it happen. Why? Because he will never give up on his people. 
He loves you that much. He is so faithful to you. He is so loyal to you. And I don't, know, I don't understand what you're going through. Maybe things are going great. Maybe you're going through a good season. Wonderful. Maybe you're going through a time where you don't understand why things are collapsing the way they are. Maybe you're just having a hard time putting bread on the table. Maybe you're having a hard time with your health. Maybe, maybe there are relationships that you had that are just, just, just breaking down. You don't understand why. But I want to tell you this, that God is already moving on your behalf because there's never been a moment where he's ignored your prayers. There's never been a moment where he's said, I don't know them. He loves you. He is faithful. He is loyal. And he is making something happen so that it will happen in your life and you will begin to experience the exodus from your misery. You will experience the joy of being set free by a God who has never failed you. He's listening. He's listening. So if you're here this morning, I want to pray. If you're here this morning, you have a, you say, Pastor, I need God to bring an exodus in my situation. God, I need God just to do something amazing because if he doesn't part the Red Sea, it's over. If God doesn't show up, it's over. I'm asking and I'm crying out to him, but I just can't see him. Pastor, I have that kind of need this morning, and I want you to pray with me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Amen. You can put it down. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people today. God, the people that responded need your help. Lord, and I'm included in this situation. We need your help. We feel like we've been stuck in slavery for 400 years and nothing is happening. But give us the faith to know that somewhere beyond our vision, you are already moving on our behalf because there's never been a prayer that you've ignored. There's never been a moment you've turned your eyes from us. You are faithful. You are loyal. You are good. And God, we put all of our hope, all of our trust in you. And as we go through life and it seems like nothing is improving, we know that you're moving. Even though we go through life and it seems like nothing is happening, we know, God, you are making it work. And so, Father, I pray that we would be able to hold on until those moments happen. And, Lord, when that moment happens and when we are free from the moments that we are in, we will look to you and say, thank you, God, for being loyal, for being faithful, for being good. We love you so much. God, give us the ability to hold on through every moment and make it happen. Whatever miracle your people need, I'm asking that you do it in the name of Jesus. Whatever they need, Lord, let it be done by your good, faithful hand. We love you so much. I thank you, and I pray your blessings upon your people. Lord, thank you for such a beautiful day today in your presence. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us, and God, that this moment was designed for us. And so, Lord, I just pray your blessings upon your people. Give them, Lord, just a wonderful week, God. Lord, let them discover who you are. And God, may all of us get into your word this week, get into prayer, seek you. May you be found until we meet again. We love you, we thank you. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you.